I speak to you in the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. A smart rabbi asks questions, often answering a question with a question, slipping the logic of the world, the logic that says there are only two choices. A smart rabbi chooses a third way. A few decades ago, Rabbi Michael Weiser moved from New York to Nebraska to work at a synagogue. Soon after, he received this threatening phone call. You'll be sorry you ever moved into that house, Jew boy. Later, a packet of racist material arrived at his house with this note. The KKK is watching you, scum. In this situation, the logic of the world offers two solutions. Keep quiet and hope things blow over, or fight your enemy. Call the police or the ACLU, or in these days, out this person on social media. The rabbi did neither. Rather, he chose a third way. He asked, questions. After figuring out that the person behind these messages was Larry Trapp, a known white supremacist, Rabbi Weissman began calling him weekly to leave messages that he called love notes on Trapp's answering machine. Larry, he said, there's a lot of love out here and you're not getting any of it. What's wrong with you? After a few months, Trapp picked up the phone accusing the rabbi of hassling him. Weissman said he just wanted to talk. He'd heard that Trapp was disabled and might need help. Trapp told the rabbi to stop calling, but he didn't. After months of this, Larry Trapp called the rabbi, telling him that he wanted to be rid of his life of hatred, asking the rabbi to come over to take away all the vile white supremacy paraphernalia in his home. And so Rabbi Weissman and his wife went. They listened to his story of a violent, sad childhood and his desire to repent. They cleaned out his home, befriended him. They eventually took this double amputee, former Klansman into their home, caring for him as his kidneys failed, as he converted to Judaism until his death. Rabbi Weissman slipped the logic of this world, choosing neither fear nor hatred, neither accommodation to anti-Semitism nor violence or even opposition to it. Rather, he asked another question. What's wrong with you? He chose the third way. In today's reading, Rabbi Jesus is confronted with two, two choices. He's in Jerusalem and is only days away from his death. He's been challenging all the authorities in a number of ways. On this day, he will be challenged over and over again as leaders try to trip him up asking him gotcha questions. 
At this time, as we all know, Jews are living under Roman occupation, an occupation that includes many small humiliations, one of which is paying an annual poll tax, paid only by Jews, a tax that funds the army and government occupying their land, a tax that must be paid in the coin of the realm, not the usual coins that Jews are allowed to use, coins without images. Rather, for the tax, a denarius must be used, a coin that has the image of the emperor with the words Emperor Tiberius Caesar Augustus, son of God, on one side, and on the other, words calling Tiberius the high priest. In order to pay the tax, Jews have to use a coin that violates two of the Ten Commandments, no gods but God, and no graven images or idols. This insult, when first introduced, had led to a violent revolt that was later crushed. How to respond to oppression. How to respond to the oppression of empire, an empire that runs over you with laws that counter your morality and with an economy that forces you to participate, violating your faith. What are the choices here? Accommodate, fit in, don't cause trouble. Revolt, use violence to overthrow the empire or at least to assert your dignity. There were various factions advocating many of these solutions at that time, but two of those factions joined forces in today's reading. The Pharisees, faithful, pious Jews, nationalists opposed to Rome, who interpret scripture strictly, which means handling a denarius and participating in the Roman tax system are serious moral problems. And the Herodians, about whom we don't know much, but given their name, it appears they were willing to accommodate themselves to even collaborate with the empire, keeping their heads down, going along to get along. The Pharisees and the Herodians, the separatists and the collaborators, both have reason to turn against Jesus. He's making it hot for everybody in Rome. So oozing hypocrisy, buttering him up so they can trip him up, they ask, is it lawful to pay taxes to the emperor or not? If Jesus says it's lawful to pay taxes, to use the coin of the realm, he's a blasphemer, alienating all Jews oppressed by Rome who resent an empire that occupies their lands and forces them to violate their religious beliefs and teachings. If Jesus says it isn't lawful to pay taxes, he's advocating sedition, defiance of the occupying government, making him and his followers liable to arrest by the Romans. But a smart rabbi knows that there are more than two choices, that sometimes a question is best answered by a question. First, he calls them both out, naming what's happening. Why are you putting me to the test, you hypocrites? Then he shows their hypocrisy by asking them to produce a coin for the tax, which they do. And Jesus asks the next question, whose head is this and whose title? They answer, the emperors. 
Well then, Jesus responds, give to the emperor what is the emperor's, and to God the things that are God's. Jesus has slipped their binary worldview, refused black and white choices of lawful or not, yes or no, accommodation or revolution, blasphemy or sedition. Jesus has provided a creative, faithful third way of living in an imperfect world, one where the Empire seeks to turn you inside out, make you into what you are not, a mere cog in their machine, their economy, where the choices are few in an oppressive regime. Compromise to get along, separate and isolate yourself, or oppose the oppressor with hatred and violence. In this imperfect world, in an empire that wants not just our money, but our souls, we remember that we belong to another empire, the kingdom of God, where the coin of the realm doesn't bear the image of an emperor claiming to be divine. It doesn't even bear the images on dollar bills of dead presidents. No, in that realm, the coin bears the image of God the creator of all, the one in whom we live and move and have our being. The coin of that realm, which we owe to God is us, you, me, we who bear the image of God. In his answer, Jesus has slipped the noose of those who want to put him in a box, limit his freedom and creativity, but he shows us the faithful response of a rabbi who knows a third way, a fresh way. Give to Caesar what is his, but remember you are a citizen of another realm, another kingdom where God is in charge, where the coin of the realm bears God's image, our God who is loving and self-giving. Therefore, we are to be loving and self-giving, giving all to God, which is all God wants. The denarius bears Caesar's image. Fine, let him have it. We bear God's self-giving, creative, loving, forgiving image. Give it to him. And when we can't manage that, when we feel overcome by the Caesars of the world, the empire seeking to deform us into its image, Remember that there is one who was given to Caesar as Caesar's. Jesus, handed over to Rome as a criminal, a blasphemer and a revolutionary. In the logic of empire, Jesus the criminal was owed to the empire. But in choosing to pay Caesar in the coin of his body, Jesus was, of course, giving to God what is God's, showing us the image of God, loving, forgiving, creative, a way different from the world's, paying the cost when we can't. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.